We are going to get through a whole chapter here in 1 Thessalonians. Let's open our Bibles to chapter 3 this morning. This will bring us halfway through. How many of you guys have been enjoying 1 Thessalonians? Isn't this an awesome letter? I love I love Paul's epistles, uh, letters that he wrote to the different churches. Uh, my wife, during prayer this morning upstairs, which I would really encourage you guys, come half an hour early, join us upstairs. Just a sweet time of praying for our church family together. Uh, she read out of Ephesians and uh, just so encouraged. Um, just in Paul's writings, just how he has a way of encouraging the body of Christ, but at the same time challenging us to be real, recognizing who we are in Christ, what we are really called to. Um, and I think that's why we enjoy his letters so much, because he's just real, because there are those questions, and we are so quick to forget. And there's also a prayer we find in Ephesians. You guys ever love that prayer that Paul has in the uh, first part of Ephesians chapter 1? I think it's in verse 14 where he really just prays that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that we would really see and understand, have spiritual wisdom uh, and revelation from God to really grasp all that we have in him, what our inheritance is, as being God's kids. It's just a beautiful prayer. Um, yeah, anyways, we got to get into this letter this morning. So chapter 3 of First Thessalonians, this morning we're going to be looking at the blueprint for holiness. Do you guys know that God wants us to be holy as he is holy? Yeah. Um, and also in that, guys, he wants us to um, be pure, which we're going to get into next week. You got homework. Read chapter 4. Uh, my wife's favorite scripture is, first, is it still First John 3, 3, or have we changed our mind lately? It's still good. There's so many neat scriptures. Uh, but it's a scripture that tells us that everyone who loves his appearing, like looking forward to Christ's return, him coming, will purify himself just as he is pure. And one thing I love about chapter 4, which we're going to start next week, talks about purity, and then it gets right into the rapture. And there's just something about that. The pure in heart will see God, we're told. And I want to encourage you guys, read ahead and just look into that, because God has asked us to walk uprightly. We're called to be set apart for him, to be pure as he is pure. Well, how does that look? What does that mean? There's so much that is in this short letter for us in regards to that. But this morning, chapter 3, we kind of have a, uh, a break a little bit. Um, have you ever guys heard of uh, USS Forest B. Royal? Um, it's uh, uh, it was used in the Korean War. I got a picture of it up here, but it was a uh, <clears throat> a gearing class destroyer. Okay, and it had this motto: "Forewarned is forearmed." And I want us to chew on that just for a moment before we jump into chapter three here, because there are proverbs out there that go along the lines of prior knowledge of possible dangers, just how important that is, or problems give one tactical advantages. We want to know what we're getting into, don't we? Okay, I look at these two. They just got married. Did you guys enjoy, like, did you see a benefit in doing premarital counseling? 
Absolutely. And that's something that we do here at Free. We want people to know what they're getting into because there are roles in marriage. You want to know what you're stepping into. What does God want? How is marriage designed? And that goes for anything. If some of you guys are looking for a new job, you got an interview coming up, aren't you going to prep a little bit? Like, hey, I want to know what I'm going to be walking into. I want to know what the answers are going to be that they're looking for. Even you guys who are in school, you have tests all the time. Don't you want to know beforehand what the answers are so when the test comes, you actually know what to put down? Yeah. And that's the same thing in our Christian walks, guys, okay? We do walk by faith and not by sight, but there are things in our faith lives, guys, that God has laid out for us and how we ought to go about that. And he warns us before things take place, and we should be ready. I don't know about you guys, but as a young man, I got really sick of learning the hard way. Have you guys ever done that? You know, I finally came to a place of, it was a sweet surrender before the Lord. It's just like, I'm going to take you at your word. Because <laughs> this way I'm doing it, it's hard because you've forewarned me. You've given me godly wisdom from on high. You've spoken, and it's going to you know, save me a whole lot of grief if I just follow your ways and listen to you. So I think in living this authentic Christian life, we need both to be forewarned and also, guys, to give forewarning to those saints who are following you, okay? Because let me tell you what, there are things that God's calling us into, and we want to be real. There is a cost to following Christ, and we have to weigh that out. We need to be real. Hey, you should come to church. You should, you know, put your faith in Christ Jesus because your life is going to be awesome and you get to go to heaven. No, I need to forewarn you. Jesus is the only way. If you don't accept him, you're going to end up in hell. But if you do follow him, there's a cost to following him. You're going to have to pick up your cross daily. You're going to have to die to self. You're going to have to decrease so he can increase. You're going to be persecuted for your faith. People aren't going to like you as a Christian. Just forewarning you. Okay, so I think in our Christian lives, do you guys think it's good to be real? Okay. I like sugar on things, but we can't sugarcoat truth all the time, okay? We're just going to look good. It's not going to taste right. Well, that's not what I expected. And that's why we see so many people who try Jesus. Have you ever met anybody who tried Jesus and it just didn't work for me? Yeah. yeah. Don't ever tell anybody to try Jesus. I, I just don't even like that. No, he is God Almighty, okay? He is Lord. You've been created for his glory. There's no trying you humble yourself, you bow your knee before him. If you're not going to do it by your own choosing, you will one day bow your knee and confess him, Lord, whether you like it or not. That's just the truth. But you need to do it now because that's how you get saved. Anyways, we could go on. Let's get into chapter 3 here. We're going to have Timothy paying a visit to the church in Thessalonica. Did you guys know that Paul on his missionary journeys, these guys went through, and they were only there for three weeks. The gospel was preached, the church was established in just three weeks. Think about that. That's pretty cool. So let's take a look here. Verse 1 of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you.
encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you beforehand when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened. And you know, and for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. I could no longer endure it. Why? What's up, Paul? Why couldn't you endure it? Well, let's go back to chapter 2. And we're going to see in verse 17 there why he couldn't endure it. So it says here, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Have you guys ever had great desire to see somebody? I just can't wait for that to finally come and happen. I've been looking so forward to seeing them again face to face. Because these phone calls, these emails, it's not the same as just being able to be together to finally see you face to face. So left alone where? Well, they were left alone in Athens. Have any of you guys been to Athens? Anybody? I've been to Athens. I got to see the ancient ruins there, the Acropolis, um, but I definitely wasn't alone. I was backpacking through Europe after Bible college, and I was with uh, three other friends of mine, but in Athens, I made a bunch more friends. Over there, they have wild dogs, street dogs. Well, I got my backpack on. I got my munchies. I'm like, these dogs look pretty hungry. Let me give you some munchies. So I gave a few of the dogs some munchies. They went and got their buddies. And pretty soon I had about a pack of 30 dogs literally followed us all day long as we walked through Athens. Definitely not alone. But these guys, they were on a mission there. Paul, Timothy, and Silas, okay, in Berea. And he dispatches Silas. He probably went to Philippi. And then in Timothy, he goes to Thessalonica. And then Paul heads alone to Athens. That's where he is going. And I just love when God calls us to do different things. Sometimes we feel like, well, we all got to be doing the same thing. This morning during announcements, hey, here's some ministry needs. I don't think each one of us are called to come alongside foster care families, okay, or to be a part of this, uh, you know, taking care of children ministry. But I think there's probably some of us, and we want to be open to that. And if some of us are, we want to encourage one another in those callings. You guys understand we're one body, but we got many parts, a lot of different things going on. And that's where we, as the body of Christ, really want to come alongside each other, encourage each other. So maybe you're one that's off to Philippi, Thessalonica, Athens, okay, wherever. We want to encourage the body to be doing their part. You guys know that sometimes ministry can be lonely, it can be a very lonely thing. Also, life, just in general, sometimes can be lonely. Sometimes God calls us to go it alone. So what situation do you feel totally alone in right now? What are you going through right now that you feel totally alone? You see, we've all experienced at a time when we wonder why our spouse or our family, our church family just aren't there for us. 
But maybe that's when God wants us all to himself. You guys ever think about that? Maybe that's what God's wanting to do. I want a season just you and me. Stop trying to go there, trying to find it in your spouse or thinking your pastor's going to have the answer. Right now, <laughs> just me and you. And God allows those seasons for a purpose. So I want to take a look at verse 2, guys. We see Paul here. He sends Timothy his assistant. So he wasn't sent to survey, but to support the church. That's why Timothy was sent for support. So Timothy, the right man for the job. And I want you to catch three things here. One, he's our brother. He's a minister of God. And we're told that he is our fellow laborer in the gospel. Okay. Timothy, a young man. Paul was his spiritual father. Paul wrote some letters to Timothy, didn't he? Have you guys ever read those? Sure hope so. They're in the Bible, okay? And in there, Timothy is a young pastor, a young minister. Hey, let no one despise your youth, okay? This is how you ought to conduct yourself in service to the Lord, and this is how things should be done in the church. And I love that we have those letters. We call them pastoral epistles, and it's good for us as the church to read these letters, even this this morning, this is good doctrine. It's good for us to grasp and to understand these things as a body of believers. So he was sent for two things. Did you guys catch what it was? One was to establish them, right? To support, to strengthen, or literally to uh, put in a buttress of support. Have you guys ever seen any of those beautiful cathedrals where they have those columns on the outside with like outreached arms that help support the building up? So the earth shakes, <laughs> weather comes, it's going to stand. It has that extra support there. And literally, that's what this word establish, okay? Buttress, the same word that's used. I thought that was pretty significant. Okay, maybe you guys don't geek out on stuff like that, but I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, but anyways, it's providing that support. Do you guys have a brother or sister in Christ who's a Timothy in that way? That's been that type of support for you. We need Timothys in our life. So providing that support. You guys can jot down Exodus 17, verse 2. We all know of Moses, right? And then there was an Aaron and a Hur that were told came alongside him in verse 12 and supported his hands. There was a battle at war. And as long as Moses was there and his arms were lifted, the children of Israel were successful in battle. When he became weary and he couldn't hold up his arms anymore, they began to lose the battle. And what a blessing to have those Aaron and hers in your life that will come along to support you, to help hold up your hands. So be praying, Lord, how could I be an Aaron or a her? Who, who are you asking me to come alongside? Okay, how can I be a Timothy? And don't you guys want to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ? Yeah, it's a blessing. We are a body. We need to be working together. So sometimes, guys, God wants you to go it alone, but other times he wants you to humble yourself and to accept help from a church leader or a friend. Okay, and in this case, it's his assistant. So can I speak to the fact here that often on Sunday mornings, sometimes, you know, people only want to talk to me after service. I only want to 
pray with the pastor. I'm okay with that. I get that as the pastor. But you guys know that we have elders here. We have leaders here, okay? We are here for one another. It doesn't always have to be this person or that person. So Paul sent an assistant pastor to encourage them. Did you catch that? To encourage them. Who needs encouragement this morning? I sure do. I look forward to Sundays. I'll be honest with you guys. There's a lot of times where I'm not just preaching to you. I'm preaching to myself. There's just things like, hey, I get to be with other believers, like-minded. We get to worship God together today. We get to be encouraged by his word today. We need that. We should look forward to that. And I hope you guys are encouraged in our times together. But specifically, he came to encourage them, to exhort, and to comfort them. And let me tell you, this is a year where we need encouragement. Is there any end at sight? <laughs> no. I got a surfer friend um, out in San Diego, and he uh, sent me a picture, and it's got, he, he surfs. He, you know, huge wave coming in, and on the wave it said 2020. And then if any of you guys who know and surf, there's a lot of times you don't catch that first wave. Why? Because there's a bigger wave coming, and on that big second wave, it says 2021. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, I sure hope not. <laughs> you know, I'm like, bro, this is not the type of encouragement I need this week. You know, hopefully you're tuning in and watching this morning, bro. Anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, friends, some. <laughs> Anyways. Um, we need to encourage one another. Um, I pray a lot that God would help me be, be a better encourager. Some of you guys, I know, you just do it naturally. You have that gift. It just flows out of you, okay? But some of us, that doesn't come natural. We're just not that good at encouraging other guys. I would encourage you guys. Have you guys ever heard of the uh, 10 pennies in the pocket thing? If you struggle with encouragement, you guys can have 10 pennies, and hey, your whole goal for the day is I'm going to try to encourage 10 people. And if I encourage one, then I can take that penny and put it in my other pocket. And hopefully by the end of the day, I've done it 10 times. Because let me tell you what, there is something about habits, isn't there? If you do something enough times, you'll just start doing it naturally. I don't know about you guys, but I want to have good habits in my life. And if something we see in scripture is hey, we should be encouraging one another, especially us who are a part of the body of Christ in the faith. We can do that. And how does that look? Well, sometimes it's just taking 30 seconds to text somebody in the middle of the day that maybe the Lord's laid on your heart. Maybe it's bumping into somebody at the grocery store that's just overwhelmed, you know, and you can see it through their mask. <laughs> you just give them a word of encouragement, whatever. But make a point to try to be encouraging to others. All right, let's take a look at verse 3 here. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. So this word shaken here means, actually, they use that word for when a dog wags its tail to allure, to, uh, to tease something, to flatter, to draw one um, from the right path. Okay? So to be shaken in such a way. Um, do you guys know that female coyotes, um, they'll put out a, a spray, a smell, I'm in heat, and they can actually allure 
dogs. And they will do that, and these dogs will come after these female coyotes, and the rest of the pack will come in and then eat the dog. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do, okay? To be shaken in such a way that we get off the right path. So it comes here then to our afflictions, okay? Something that causes pain or suffering. Um, is anybody affliction-free in here today? Any of you guys? Okay. Because if you are, I was going to have you come up and teach. But <laughs> as far as I know, we all go through it, okay? Nobody knows how to live this life affliction-free, okay? There's always pain, and is, there is the promise of suffering in this life. And don't think it a strange thing when you fall into the various trials, when you suffer, okay? We should not be surprised by it. But don't be lured away by it, okay? Nor surprised by it. We should see that it's coming. We've been forewarned. This is going to be a part of life. We should be looking for these things. And we are appointed to this. Okay, did you guys catch that here? Appointed. Afflictions come by appointments. God puts them on our day calendars. Okay? Well, I didn't see that on my calendar. It's there. And God uses them. W.E. Vine said this. This indicates not an ultimate destiny, but a temporary experience ordained as a means to an end. So, trials, brothers and sisters, are not necessarily God's sign of disfavor, but are a part of every Christian's legacy. Who do you most respect in the faith? For you guys who are newer, Everyone else knows this, but the Apostle Paul is my hero. I love the guy. Great example. Did you guys know that he had a pretty cake life? Very easy. Pharisee of Pharisees, and he just got to cruise by, do whatever he wanted to do. No, man. The guy went through it. I mean, beaten how many times, left for dead, shipwrecked. Everywhere he went to preach the gospel, guys. Okay, he was attacked. Many afflictions. But what a legacy that brother has left for you and I, huh? When you look at brothers and sisters of the faith who have a great Christian legacy, so many of them have gone through so much in their lives. A lot of you guys know that I really enjoy John Corson. If you guys want a good commentary, pick up John Corson's phenomenal verse-by-verse -verse teacher of the Bible. The brother has lost his wife, lost a daughter, lost a son recently. And he's been through so much in his life but the character that's been made and like i have such respect for him god honoring man and he's going to leave a phenomenal you know legacy but he's chosen to use those hard things those afflictions for the glory of god a lot of people don't make that choice they're like this is too hard forget you lord instead of running to him they run away from him and what legacy is that going to leave so when trouble comes, Christian, uh, we often react by doubting that they are there because God wants them to be. But they often think that they've done something wrong and that God must be displeased with them. That's not the case. Yet storms often come to believers to make them able to stand firm rather than get blown away. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. Have our roots gone deep? <laughs> I hope so. 
because the storms do come. And are we going to be able to stand? Verse 5, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. So let me seem this together for us here regarding the tempter in your faith in this verse. You see, when Satan sought to um, run Peter through the sifter, you guys remember that? Luke chapter 22, okay? What did Jesus do? Well, he prayed for Peter, right? But what did he pray? He didn't rebuke Satan. He didn't pray to stop it. He prayed for his faith and that his faith, he would stand. Wow. Jesus, how can you be allowing this? Can you just make it stop? It's been so long. This is so hard. No, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that your faith grows and that you're able to stand. That's what he wants, guys. Can God take things away? Absolutely. I've seen that happen. I've seen healings happen like that. But I've prayed for a whole lot more people that aren't healed. Did I lack faith in the prayer? No. I believe God can heal anybody he wants anytime he wants. But why doesn't he always choose to do things? Because his ways are better than ours. And don't we pray for his will to be done? Like right now, there's a lot of us earnestly praying about a lot of things. We don't want things to shake out a certain way. But are we, we're, are we really in a place of trusting God? Not our will, but your will be done. You know what's best. I think we ought to be praying for the church in a way that we stand. That we stand, that our faith is growing and increasing. That's what our nation needs more than anything, guys. They need Christians who are really being Christians, really walking the walk and talking the talk. So, Jesus doesn't give us a promise of no suffering, but he guarantees us a power to go through them and to grow through them if we ask him. And I love that. So what opposition are you facing today? What trial have you been going through? What storm is raging are you before your heavenly father saying, teach me? <laughs> Show me your faithfulness in this. Let me see what you're doing right now and help me to follow you well through it. So let's look at Timothy's report then. Look at verse six. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, all, in all of our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect uh, what, or perfect what is lacking in your faith. So Timothy here, guys, has now returned, and he's brought back 
a great report, right? Um, and Paul, as a result, is filled with joy because of what he's hearing from the believers there in Thessalonica. So what a relief for Paul, okay? His work wasn't in vain. It stood solid and secure. Their faith intact. Their love evident. And their trust in God was sure. That sounds like a pretty good report, right? Is there any better report than that? Imagine if Jesus was sending uh, Michael the Archangel to survey what's going on at Freedom Fellowship or maybe in your life personally. And he reports back that, hey, the whole bunch, faith and love. Wouldn't that be awesome? Faith and love. That's what God wants from us. Faith and love. Are we trusting him? Are we believing in him? Are we really loving one another and loving God together? That's what he wants. And then verse 8 tells us what? Stand fast in the Lord, right? Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. And we stand upon our rock, Jesus Christ, guys. So don't lose your spiritual balance and your stability from trials, from tribulations, from a tempter, or from affliction. We stand firm. Okay? We might get blown around a little bit, but we're going to stand firm. That's what we do. And then verse 9 tells us, For what thanks can we render to God? For you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, thankfulness and joy. Um, I love this. I want to share with you guys um, from the Jewish Encyclopedia for a second. Uh, Kaufman Kohler, he states in there that there's no language has as many words for joy or rejoicing than Hebrew. The Old Testament, 13 Hebrew roots found in 27 different words are used primarily as some aspect of joy or joyful participation in religious worship. So Hebrew religious rituals uh, really demonstrates God as a source of joy. Okay? And I hope you guys get that that our joy is found in him, that we've been created to enjoy him. And then he goes on to contrast the rituals of other faiths of the East. He said, Israelite worship was essentially a joyous proclamation and celebration. The good Israelite regarded the act of thanking God as a supreme joy of his life. Pure joy is joy in God as both its source and object. I like that a lot. Because we have misplaced joys. Because let me tell you what, if they don't win this afternoon against kind of a not a good team, that's not a joyful thing for me. <laughs> well, where am I placing my hope for joy in? A bunch of men wearing tights throwing pigskins around right? <laughs> we do that. And it's not just in sports. We've tried to find joy in so many lesser things. 
But we, especially the people of God, when we grasp our role, our part, what we are to be given to, and we understand it, we find joy in doing so. I mean, what a joy. In a second, we're going to be looking at a prayer that Paul has for this church. Do you guys know that you're called to be a royal priesthood? There are so many things we are good at as Christians or in the church to want to give ourselves to. But if you think about us just being a royal priesthood, well, what did the priests do? Well, they go before God on behalf of the people, interceding, praying for them, right? And they would also come and offer worship to the Lord. That's what they did. Do we pray and worship? I think if we really give ourselves to those things, we find true joy in celebrating our God. That's why there's joy when we gather together to worship him corporately. So, find joy in God. Any lesser, it's not going to be joyful. It's going to leave you disappointed often. But man, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. So let's wrap this up. Let's look at Paul's prayer. Verse 11. Now may our God and the Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another, abounding in love to one another and to all. You guys know all is all, right? Okay, good, good. So just as we do to you, so that he may establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Wow. So Paul carried his people on his heart to God's mercy seat. That was the heart of this apostle. He cared for them. He loved the brethren. I want us to note here in verses 11, 12, and 13, for Paul, everything was God. Are you seeing this in his life? Everything was about him. Everything. So we'll never know how bad our sin could have been or what we've been saved from or how much temptation was conquered all because somebody peoples were praying for us do you guys ever think about that what have we been saved from just because people are praying for us man this is pretty bad well guess how bad it might have been right i think about our brother james you guys know he was the first martyr first one Killed for his faith in Jesus. Was the church together praying for their brother when he was in prison? No. Peter was in prison. He was about to be killed. Was he killed when he was in prison? No. What was the church doing? What were the believers doing? Oh, they were in the upper room praying for their brother Peter. He's in jail. We don't want to see what happened to James, happened to Peter. We need to be praying for him. Guys, we need to be praying. We need to be praying for one another. Make it, I got a bracelet you guys see. I don't take this off. I commit to pray. We have brothers and sisters who are persecuted. 
Okay. Do you follow the voice of the martyrs? Do you get reports on what's going on around the world and how we can be praying for one another? Are you guys on social media groups that are actually given to prayer that we can actually be lifting up one another and praying for one another? I hope so. And we need to be praying for one another, guys. Okay? we got a Facebook group. I encourage you guys to jump on there. If you ever have a prayer request, put it in there. Hey, church fam, please be praying. Okay? And there's nothing too small for us to be praying about. Do you guys know that God cares about all things? <laughs> and we should be praying for one another. So, I want to share of a young lady. She would take a newspaper with her every night when she went to bed. And she said she'd read the notices of births, and I pray for the little babies. I would read the notices of marriages, and I would pray uh, that those who had been married would be blessed and happy. I would read about the announcements of death, and I pray for the sour, the, the, the souring would be um, comforted. What a neat thing. She doesn't even know these people. Do you guys know that there's many people like that that are praying for us? Do you know that there's people I don't even know? People are praying for Little Freedom Fellowship here in Kakana. I've gotten so many reports over the year. We, we have been praying for years for our church to come to Kakana. We've been praying for you guys. It's like, really? <laughs> That's awesome. Why are we here? What is God doing? Why are you saved? But just somebody was praying for you. William Parclay said this, we can serve people no other way, or if we can serve no, or people no other way, there is one thing we can still do. We can pray for them. I love that. John Bachum once described an atheist as a man who has no invisible means of support. How sad to not believe in God. Man. Anyways, I printed off for you guys on the table just outside the door out there um, all of the Apostle Paul's prayers that we find in the New Testament. So if you guys want to grab one of those on your way out today, put them in your Bible. I would encourage you to start reading through those different passages. Okay, because it's so neat to pray scripture, but it's also neat to learn how to pray. I know some people, I don't even know about going to a prayer group. I'm not the best prayer. Well, how do you learn to pray? Hang out with people who pray. Every Tuesday morning, I go and hang out with eight, nine other guys. Most of them are pastors. Most of them, some of them are twice my age. They're older brothers. And you want to know how to pray? Hang out with a saint who's been a man or a woman of prayer their entire life and pray with them when they're a little experienced and been through a little in life. Oh, that's right on. I, I've never even thought about praying that way. That's insightful. All this stuff going on, and this is what you're praying about. That's big picture. That's eternal. That makes sense. Pray with other people. That's how we learn to pray. Go to prayer summits. I don't do a whole lot of conferences. You guys know that's what pastors do? They go to conferences. <laughs> I don't do a lot of conferences, but I do make a point of going to prayer summits. I'll go away for three or four days if we're going to pray. Seek the Lord. Get on our knees. Pray for our church families. Pray for the will of God. I've learned so much through praying with brothers and sisters like 
that. Gals, there's a prayer one in February at Green Lake. A bunch of gals are going to go and have a prayer summit. If any of you sisters want to go, that would be a blessing. We have women's prayer this Saturday morning at 8 o'clock. Come out and pray. Men, first Saturday of the month, 8 o'clock. Learn how to pray. I love walking in. Youth group, you guys, what are you doing? I come in to pick up my kids, and the kids are praying with one another, for one another. What a beautiful thing that we're teaching our young people how to pray. And they're learning. I'm so glad that you guys are doing that because they're learning how to pray. Okay? And my kids, they're teaching me how to pray. Sometimes I want to shake them up like, hey, there's other things to pray for and about. Don't you know all this stuff is happening and we should really be praying about all this stuff? Every night, every morning, they just pray God, to God in ways of thanksgiving. Thank you for this and thank you for that and thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm like, man, I need to learn to pray like my children. Isn't that the will of God? To give thanks in all things? Isn't that the heart of Paul right here? Man, I am so thankful. So thankful that God has done this with you believers there in Thessalonica. So, even tomorrow night, I'll put in our, in our group, there's a citywide prayer thing going on from 6.30 to 8. I'll throw out the Zoom connection. If you want to pray with other believers, well, I just want to pray with people that go to my church or a part of my denomination. Oh, you ever pray with the people who bind Satan in the name of Jesus? You ever pray with those people? Oh, they come normally from one certain denominational background. And I love these brothers. We have great fellowship. But those prayer summits that I told you about, yeah, I've been at at least a dozen plus of these over the years. And this certain group denomination are biting Satan, Jesus, or Satan in Jesus' name left and right. And I'm, I'm just, I asked them one time as we were having lunch together, I sat at their table on purpose. I'm like, hey, guys. What's the deal? Like, you keep praying to bind Satan. Like, if he's bound, how does he keep getting loose that you got to keep binding him over and over and over again? <laughs> you know? But you know what? They also pray in authority, okay? And I've learned much from praying with those brothers, you know, and I'm so thankful. And I think the more we put ourselves out there among the body of Christ and we are praying together, it's just like, yeah, I like that that's on your heart. I've never even thought about praying about that. You know, but that's needed. That is good. So I encourage you guys, be praying. So wrapping up, guys, God desires holiness in our lives, okay, from us. Character is in view. Do you guys know that that's what God cares about? Our character. Are we growing? Okay, examine yourself for a minute. Are you farther along in your walk with Christ? Have you grown? Have you matured in the last three months, six months? Can you see, okay? And where does those, that growth come from? A lot of times from trials and afflictions, hard things. We have choices what to do in those hard things. Are we making the right choices before our Heavenly Father? So nothing complicated, okay? It just takes obedience. Do you guys know that's how we grow in character? Yes, God. <laughs> I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. Obedience. And we have organized ourselves, guys, to death, okay? Grappling for, you know, evading holiness, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, hey, if I just do, 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 you know? It's like, no, we just follow Jesus. We just obey. <laughs> what do you want, Lord? Uh, so we've arranged, cataloged, charted, and classified everything now. Um, but God, I've been putting up, let me go back. 
I'm going to put this up on the screen for you guys at home too. I thought this was really, you know, kind of fun. There it is. You guys have noticed I've had a different slide, the dates in the corner, our chapter we're going through, and I've been given a different name to each study we've done so far going through Thessalonians. And today, the blueprint for holiness, you know, you just see a lot of application and things in this chapter that speak to that. This is the last one you guys are going to see because I've been praying this week. I feel like the Lord is sick of blueprints. He doesn't want blueprints from us. He wants a working temple. That's what I see in Scripture. Not a to-do list. This is how, no, we need to be working. We are a living temple. Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God? We just need to be who we are, okay? The work's been done. It's finished. You are holy in Christ. And we get to walk in the newness of life. We've been born again, guys. So God doesn't want more landscape plans. He wants fruit from his orchard. And isn't that the will of God that we bear much fruit? We just need to start doing what God's called us to do. I'm thankful for blueprints, but we need to be on the blueprints. We just need to be who we are in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. We do pray simply asking of you, in your name, Jesus, that you would get the glory, that you would work in and through us, Father, for whatever you want to do for your name's sake. God, that you would be exalted. We know, as you said, when you're exalted, you're going to draw all men to yourself. So our eyes are on you, Lord. All we can do is surrender completely. Father, broken before you in humility, just asking for you to do whatever your good pleasure is in and through us, Father, whether individually or corporately. We are yours. So please, have your way. Your will be done. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being here this morning with us. And for you guys who have been watching online, we sure miss you guys. Uh, Lord bless you good this week. Keep your eyes on him. Amen? Amen. Amen.